Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. A podcast of Ira with Janine Stanley. Episode 2 Accessing the Magic of Flight. That's a familiar sound. Cell phones on, seatbelts off, get ready to disembark. In this episode, we're going to talk about travel and how access matters in the travel experience. I personally really enjoy traveling. I've had very few disastrous airport adventures, which is fairly good for the amount of travel that I've done in my career. I think it's really interesting to see how the airport experience has changed over the years and how airports are really changing the way that they approach customers and the way that they approach the whole traveling experience to try to make it a better time for everyone involved. That includes people with disabilities. We're first going to talk with New York Times bestselling author, motivational speaker, and technology evangelist Mike Kingson. Mike travels a great deal and has been associated with IRA since 2015, so he has a lot to say about accessibility. Then, what happens if your city is about to welcome over 3,000 blind and low vision people and their families for the convention of the National Federation of the Blind? Whether it's 3,000 people or one person with a disability moving through an airport, things have changed a lot. Many airports have added new features like fine dining, art, live music, and ways to make the travel experience less stressful. In this episode, we'll talk with Tombri Moten from the Houston Airport System. Tombri is a passionate advocate for accessibility, and we'll discuss the many features that NFB convention participants can look forward to as they traverse the airports. Tambri will tell us about how to take advantage of the many, many activities that go on within the Houston Airport system. Access matters when you're delivering all of these experiences for your customers. The way I approach travel is the same way I approach pretty much everything else. Let's count it as a good experience until it isn't, and then learn from whatever it is happens to make sure that that doesn't happen again if we can help it. This is why I like to point out the things that businesses do well, because focusing on the positive actually helps other businesses to learn about what quote-unquote the right thing is, and then to go ahead and implement that. It's not that hard. So, I've got the suitcase packed, I've got the dog harnessed, I've got the rideshare ride on its way. Let's go. We are talking with Michael Hankson today. Michael is certainly no stranger to Ira and no stranger to podcasting. Hi, Mike. How are you today? I'm doing well. And you? Oh, I'm here, and that is good. I'm going to ask you the question that I ask every guest now. How would you define access? Well, I think access in terms of what we're talking about here is me being able to, and I will do it in terms of me, being able to utilize the features that other people can use, whatever they happen to be, or use the facilities, whatever they happen to be. 
And the operative part of that is use. One of the things that I tell people is that disability does not mean a lack of ability. So in 1879, Thomas Edison invented the electric light bulb. What is the electric light bulb? If we use the Americans with Disabilities Act as a, as a definition, the electric light bulb is a reasonable accommodation for light-dependent people who cannot function well in the dark without it. And that is exactly what it is. The electric light bulb is a reasonable accommodation. It's about inclusion. It's part of the cost of doing business to give me the same availability to things that it does for other people. It may not mean that I utilize things exactly the same, and that needs to be part of the understanding. Equality isn't about doing everything exactly the same way for everyone. Equality is all about truly meaning that whatever you need to be able to utilize the same kinds of things that other people utilize and do, we will provide because that's what we do. Mike, you are a traveler. Obviously, you have been a traveler most of your professional career, if not all of it, and uh, you have traveled some pretty amazing places, not the least of which being these steps of the World Trade Center. So let's talk about travel and how access to all of the various facets of travel affects what we do. In fact, I think you were probably one of the first people to use IRA in an airport. Am I correct? I was one of the first people to use IRA in an airport. I'm one of the first people to use IRA, period, because I was contacted by Suman Kanagante and Larry Bach back in uh, 2015 and asked if I could look at the product and then help bring it to market, which I did. So I've been using it a long time. And what IRA does is is it provides a mechanism and a way for me to, I'll use the word, access things that are otherwise visually unavailable to me. So going around an airport, reading gate signs, going around an airport, finding restaurants, restrooms, seeing what else is there, maybe even describing the art on the wall. The point is that that information was designed around light-dependent people, people who can see. And that's okay. We love people who can see. But at the same time, don't leave us out. And Ira is truly a game changer in making it possible for me to have the ability to the availability to deal with all of that i was in um, a few airports over the past few weeks in phoenix in denver and ontario i live close to ontario california airport so go there a lot but even with ontario where i know basically where everything is Ira makes some things be a little faster, but for Phoenix and Denver, especially Denver that I don't know well, I know Phoenix pretty well, but Ira made it possible for me to be able to go through the airport, meet people who I was supposed to meet, and go on my way, and also coming back uh, from a meeting that I had through Denver Airport going somewhere else, finding a restaurant that I didn't even know was there, one of my favorites, Einstein Brothers Bagels. I learned about that because I had IRA. And I've, I've used IRA at airports because I'm able to go through the airports and do things that otherwise wouldn't be at all nearly as available for me to do. 
whether it's quickly going to a gate, and I know you, we've had other videos and other stories of others who have gone through airports and ran through the airports to catch airplanes, and I, too, um, had close connections, and IRA made it possible for me to go through airports independently and quickly, much more quickly than I would have been able to if I had to wait for someone to be called and to escort me who wouldn't walk as fast as I would walk, and it was just more awkward. Ira meant I could do it on my terms at my speed. I have many tools in my toolbox when I travel, so I asked Mike to tell us a little bit about some of the other tools that he uses, both apps and processes, when he travels with his guide dog, Alamo. One of the things that I did last year was to purchase the glasses from Envision which is a Netherlands-based company. I believe that agents get the best view when they can do what would be done with the human eye, which is you got to have the ability to see from that level and see all around and have a good wide field of view. So I bought the, the glasses from Envision. They, I also bought them because they connected with Ira. But when I go to an airport and I want to do things, I can use an agent to find a place and sometimes at airports the places I want to find don't have good connections because there's a lot of metal around and so on but I can get close and then if Ira has to disconnect I understand that but I can immediately go into the AI modes of the Envision app and read signs, read text, read menus even find a table, um, do object location and so on and do things that I otherwise wouldn't be able to do because the information is not available. And what we're really talking about when we're talking about access and accessibility to a very large degree is availability of information. What I get to do is use every tool that I have available. I also have an app called Menus for All, which is pretty cool. But Menus for All, again, is really cool because it's an app that has thousands upon thousands of menus already with more coming. And I can activate the app, and if I have an iPhone signal, then it'll sense that and it'll tell me what restaurants are around. So if the menu I want is, is there, it'll say, this is the closest menu, and it will give me the whole menu, and I can just read it. And if I don't have an iPhone signal, but I know the name of the restaurant, I can just type in or dictate in the name of the restaurant, and then I can get the menu and order and do all the things that anyone else would do. And that has been a very helpful thing for me on many occasions. If I want to use an, a Lyft, I will use Lyft. I will get the information from an IRA agent. And I may then go use that information independently. But like for a Lyft, I will try to use IRA most often because using IRA, I know when the Lyft car arrives. Here's what one of those Lyft rides sounds like with IRA. All right, requesting lift. All right, it's looking for a car. All right, Janine, you've got uh, Zanetta, who has a five-star rating, and she's in a Toyota Kia. Oh, fabulous. Oh, there she is. Okay, so she's north of you. Uh, looks oh, like great. Just Good. getting onto Cleveland Ave. Excellent. So should be coming. Excellent. Let's see, it looks like you're inside the complex. So she should be coming from your yeah. left, I believe. Zanetta, she's pulling in here. Ah, so, great. yep, straight ahead here. Back. About Ira again gives me the access to the information that I need in order to make it 
more usable and yes, more accessible for me to be able to get around and do what I want to do on my terms. And I should be able to do it on my terms. You can learn more about Mike at HTTP colon slash slash michaelhingson.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-H-I-N-G-S-O-N.com. I'm talking with Tambri Moten from the Houston airports, and she is the ADA program manager for Houston airports, and that comprises the airports of uh, Bush and Hobby. And coming up, there is going to be a huge gathering of blind people in Houston for the National Federation of the Blind. So welcome, Tambri, to Access Matters. Thank you so much, Jeanne. I'm so happy to be in your presence. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start out with the question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your definition of access? So my definition of access, I guess in general, would be making sure that the environment doesn't have barriers and also the people around the people in the community, taking away those mental barriers uh, when it comes to attitudes and just being very welcoming. So I think that that's the key to access, to, the key to access. However, in the airport environment, when I define access, I want to make sure that the airport facility doesn't have barriers. If it's in a welcoming environment, the travelers, they're able to come into our terminals and be able to go wherever they need to go, get the services that they want to have, um, eat the food that they want to eat, and there not be any type of, you know, issues for them to be able to engage in that. And then, like I said, for access in the general environment, addressing implicit biases, uh, getting that proper education out to our staff members and team members um, that work in the airports, and just promoting awareness. I think that's how you get access done. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be in your position with the Houston airports. Well, um, I've lived in Houston for probably about uh, six years now. Um, I've been with the Houston airports for about four years. I started out with the city of Houston when I first moved here. Um, I'm a military veteran. So I had moved back home um, after uh, being in the military for 13 years. And um, I was, you know, kind of looking for something new to do. Um, I never considered working at an airport, but um, I was really excited when I saw some HR roles um, come available at the airport. And so I took the bait and I've been here ever, se ever since. I got involved in airport accessibility um, basically through my knowledge of the ADA through human resources. And so I found it really exciting to be able to help citizens with disabilities uh, truly enjoy the travel experience. So with my creative side and wanting to just try to find some innovative ideas and also that legal side working together, they combined forces. And I went on to create um, this program um, that I, I'm still working on. It's my baby, um, Access the Magic of Flight. Um, it's a program um, I created for um, HAS. And it's just something where I went through and I evaluated um, different regulations, um, different policies for airports to define what's really needed in an airport to make it 
the most accessible environment and also a place where, you know, someone who's probably never traveled before, where they want to come to the airport and where they can feel comfortable and where maybe somebody that is a caregiver, they feel safe bringing that person in that environment because they know that there are so many different tools to help them. The customer service is the right level. They've been properly trained on how to work with uh, travelers with disabilities and just being able to meet them where they're at and provide that um, that equitable access. That's what I'm fighting for. So, you know, that's kind of how I became involved with Houston airports and um, in airport accessibility. Awesome. That is a great backstory. I love that. I love the magic of flight. Um, that's yes, it is magical. Tell us about the many ways, because I understand that there are many that the Houston airport system provides access to people with disabilities, and that could be all types of disabilities. We never know who's going to be coming through the airport, right? Absolutely. So because we never know who is going to be coming uh, through the airport, we wanted to make sure that we thought of all the different types of disabilities, whether they're visible or not apparent, and making sure that we create some sort of either effective communication to where we can engage with that customer um, or some type of program that could help them uh, while they're in the airport. So like I said, um, Access the Magic of Flight it has probably about 40 plus programs or tools or amenities that could be used together. They could just be used separately in the airport environment. All of our customers are going to definitely be unique. And so when I was thinking about our programs and our services and our activities, I want to engage the traveler um, in different ways. And if they have a, you know, a disability, for that disability, what is it that they need to make sure that they're successful in the airport environment? So if it's, a, if it's effective communication uh, through our language line, uh, where a customer, they may need access to, uh, to ASL, um, or if it's our customer service team, um, engaging in our disability awareness training and knowing that a customer, they may want to communicate through notes um, or making sure that, you know, our videos, they, uh, they're providing some type of captioning. Um, just going through those different amenities and finding out for that customer and their disability, what can we use? We have Ira. I'm exceptionally happy about that. I was looking at a video yesterday um, that was talking about when we first brought Ira um, to Houston airports in 2018, and they were showing the technology and just, you know, it was so new then. And now that I look at it and I'm training my staff members in those disability awareness training, we're looking at how the tech has evolved and how it's just as simple as, you know, our customers pulling out their smartphone. They don't necessarily have to have access to those uh, smart glasses. They can just pull out their smartphone because the cameras are better now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and being able to uh, still work with that operator and have that uh, that personal touch. And from using that technology, we found that we've also needed to improve other things inside of our terminal, such as wayfinding, uh, making sure that our signage is you know, going to be recognizable when an operator on a smartphone is using it through the IRA system. We also have our service animal relief areas for those that are traveling with service animals. 
Um, they don't have to leave the Cerro area in order to use those facilities. They can stay inside the security area, um, use the service animal relief area, and then be able to go you know, back to their gate. I'm excited about those because now we have them um, in every terminal. Um, our nursing suites for parenting for parents that are traveling uh, with children. Uh, we also have a companion care facility that offers our universal design changing table in Hobby Airport. Oh, and that is an amenity that I am also super excited about because it has the adjustable sinks, adjustable toilets in that restroom, and then also that universal design table. There's also an area where um, they can uh, use water to um, to clean uh, a wheelchair or whatever they need to clean, you know, that they're uh, bringing on the, the airplane with them. So I like that private space because, you know, I definitely had some concerns and some concerned passengers that would, you know, call and share some intimate stories with me on how their travel experience uh, may have been before. And now that the companion care facility is in our terminal, how they were successful with using it and just how much it meant to them, because now, you know, they're a little bit more, uh, they're less worried about their travel experience because they have a place where they can stop and it's private and it makes sure that they have, you know, that dignity that everybody deserves while they're um, in their travel experience. So, I mean, I could go on and on talking about <laughs> our amenities, um, but I want to share the flytohouston.com webpage. We have yes. an accessible travel page that just outlines the many amenities that we have at the airport. And then it also offers an opportunity if there's something that you don't see or something that you have questions about, we encourage our customers to reach out to me um, and they can make a reasonable accommodation. The reasonable accommodations process is super easy. Um, if they're not able to fill out the form, they can definitely contact me. I can assist them uh, with filling out the form or we can uh, work on their request just via the phone. It's, it's not a requirement for the customer to physically fill out a form. So um, just making sure that we're providing um, just different methods of what our passengers need. So, I mean, like I said, I could go on and on, but. That is really impressive. And having that spot right there on your website that people can actually go to and see what the amenities are in the airport, that's some, that is access right there to just being able to find out, hey, you know what, at this airport, there are these things. And at the other airport, there may be other things. Now, tell me about the Houston airport system, because there are two airports, right? Yes, yeah, so the Houston Airport system, it includes um, George Bush Intercontinental Airport, so IH, and then William uh, P. Hobby Airport, HOU. And then we also have um, Ellington. Ellington is more for our military operations, um, but it is also a part of the, the Houston Airport system. And then we also have the, the up and coming spaceport. Um, so you know, super excited about, um, you know, what the, the Houston airports has to offer. But for our passengers, uh, Bush and Hobby is definitely going to be uh, the place the place to be. Yep. I have uh, rushed madly through both of those airports at one time or another in my life. So, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and it's going to be so nice that there are service animal relief areas. I use a guide dog and uh, he will appreciate that immensely, I think, as will many other dogs. Yes, yes. I'm so excited. Um, and I was just um, working with uh, one of our uh, service animal um, organizations and trying to schedule um, an, an event for September for uh, National Service Dog Month. Oh, yeah. So, so definitely look out for that. We're going to be putting some information out on that um, very, very soon. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Tambri, because airports these days are offering other things other than just, you know, going and getting on a plane or picking someone up or getting off a plane. There are many things that airports are offering classes, um, art installations, live music. I love the live music, by the way. I just think that's that really makes your travel time just so much less stressful. What kinds of things does the Houston airport system have? for people besides kind of the the uh, typical airport kind of things? So the entertainment, of course, um, as you already mentioned, is uh, one of those elements of the airport experience. Um, I want to definitely brag on Harmony in the Air. That is our live music showcase in the terminal. Um, they usually play, um, I think they have an alternating schedule if anybody wants to go onto the website, um, Harmony, Harmony in the Air um, is what you search, and it'll give you the schedule by day on what um, band is going to be there or what live music is going to be inside the terminal. We also have some amazing food. Um, Hobby Airports, they just opened up all new restaurants. <laughs> that was probably about a week and a half ago. And I just tried a new restaurant yesterday uh, when I was out at Hobby Airport. I have not tried them all, but we did just get all new restaurants. So Ooh, um, I know that's standing. <laughs> yes. Just in case then, you get delayed. Oh. Yes. And then we have, um, I want to say friendly staff and our friendly staff, they also include some therapy dogs. So, um, <laughs> Definitely the airport experience can be stressful um, to customers. So the, the um, terminal management team, they have an outstanding program uh, with therapy animals. Um, and this is different from our service animals. Um, so, um, you know, we definitely want to uh, understand and respect the difference with a therapy animal and a service animal. So for a service animals, we know that they are working and that they are assisting uh, our customers. The therapy animals are more for um, customers that, um, you know, maybe they are in a high stress um, situation and they want to just kind of have an outlet. So they're welcome to pet these animals wow. and just engage with them within the terminal. Um, so I think that's a very exciting program. And then again, like I just want to brag on the friendly staff. Um, all of our staff members um, at Houston airports, they are required um, to engage in disability awareness training. Um, something special that I have added on to our disability awareness training is um, this aviation themed, um, it's called a uh, pod walkthroughs. So um, protruding object discovery, which is something that I feel um, is going to prepare us uh, for this convention because we know that we are going to have um, guests that are going to be traveling independently with their white cane. We want to make sure that the airport is going to be a safe environment for them. So 
Um, we just took some time out to review um, the access board's regulations on protruding objects. And then we engaged in some walkthroughs through our terminals to look at protruding objects, to look at you know things that are blocking the circulation path, such as a trash can, something as simple as that, making sure that we're promptly reporting any type of spills and just keeping that something um, something that's on a rotational and regular basis that we do before we start our shifts. And as we're just walking through the terminals, I could be walking to lunch and I notice something out of place. And I want to make sure that that is out the way so that, of course, I don't want any of my customers to get hurt. But since I know that I'm expecting over 3,000 attendees, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to make sure that our airport is a safe place and we've done the work. So it's called protruding object discovery. Uh, for those that are um, in aviation, they may have heard of it before. Um, out on the airfield, it's called FOD. So foreign object discovery. Oh, yes. So, yes. Yeah. So a lot of aviation professionals, you know, before they start their day, their day to make sure that the aircraft is safe, they're going through um, on the tarmac and just making sure that there's nothing out there that could, you know, create a safety hazard. And so we're doing the same thing inside of our terminals and just calling it pod instead. <laughs> I like it. There are a couple different laws federally that govern airports. We've got the Americans with Disabilities Act, and then we have the Air Carrier Access Act. And sometimes that can be really confusing as to, gosh, what do we do? What does this cover? If I had questions about that, I could call your office. Yes, you could definitely call my office about awesome. that. And I wanted to talk about it because um, I think we were having you asked me a question about access in the airport, and I wanted to really um, I guess, tap into what the DOT laid out. Um, so last year, they created the Passenger uh, with Disabilities Bill of Rights. And then they put maybe about um, 10 things that either airports or air carriers that they need to make sure that they're providing to those customers. So things like, you know, the right to be treated with dignity and respect, um, the right to receive information about services, um, the, just the right to receive information in an accessible format. Um, for me, um, as, as somebody that works at an airport, accessible airport facilities, assistance at the airports, and being able to travel uh, with their assistive device or their service animal. Um, just those are some of the things that they listed out. And for someone that's like me um, and in my role at an airport, that's what we need support with being able to provide to those customers, giving them, um, you know, giving them their rights and making sure that they're able to get what the DOT has laid out in the Air Carrier Access Act. So if anybody does have questions or if they've went and they looked at the passenger um, with Disabilities Bill of Rights and they have question or they're not getting something out of there, definitely reach out to your airport um, ADA program manager or ADA coordinator and let them know because when we get that type of feedback, it helps us be able to deliver that message to whoever, you know, is the person that um, delivers that service and give them feedback and help them find out ways that they can make that service better. And we will link to that document in the show notes so that everybody can have a look at it. It was a long process to produce that document. I was involved in part of it and I can tell you, it was a lot to produce it. You would think that something like that would be easy, but um, it was, it was, you know, it was well thought out actually. And that's what took the time was to really make sure that it was done correctly. So that's exciting. So Tambri, how can people reach you uh, 
how are the best ways by all of the, the means that you have out there, phone, uh, email, websites, social media, how can people reach you? Yeah, so I, I pretty much have it all. Um, of course, I'm going to direct to flytohouston.com, our accessible page. My information is on there if you need a reasonable accommodation or if you need to, even if you need to file a complaint or a grievance, please reach out to me uh, by mail. Um, it has the Houston Airport's address on there. Um, we're located at 16930 John F. Kennedy Boulevard um, in Houston, Texas, 77032. Um, you can call me via telephone, 281-233-1352, um, or also on my city cell, um, 832-317-4224. Um, I do work for the city of Houston, so um, so all of this uh, information is, is public, um, so we do expect for our customers to reach out, um, especially if they have any type of issues uh, when it comes to accessibility within our facility. Great. And we are hoping to see our customers talk about their experiences at the Houston airports this summer and going on throughout the rest of the year. Thank you so much, Tambri, for being with us here on Access Matters. Thank you so much, Janine. I had a great time. Hi everyone, it's Janine from her suburban backyard with Curtis the guide dog, who is off duty right now. Special thanks to Mike Hankson and Tambre Moten for coming on Access Matters and talking about travel, especially traveling through the Houston airport system this summer. So many of us go to the airport with this overarching sense of dread. And for someone with a disability, that dread usually means that someone is going to treat us inappropriately or not have the access that we need to important services. As you heard in this episode, there are a lot of tools that you can take advantage of to make sure that your customers don't come to you with that feeling of dread. I'm excited that through the tools that I have, not only Ira, but a few apps that do recognition using LiDAR and other awesome technology, I can sit at my gate and if there is artwork around, I can get descriptions of it. Or I can wander around, find a restaurant, and yes, the all-important airport restroom, navigate those and get back to my gate without worrying about getting lost, having wrong directions, all of that. What? Janine, why wouldn't someone just be able to enjoy the airport? It seems kind of silly, doesn't it, that walking through an airport independently would be such a rush for someone with a disability? Well, unfortunately, the process of getting through airports and large public spaces gets infantilized, and it has been for many, many years. Organizations like the Houston Airport System are really, really trying to change that particular cultural paradigm. Yes, I said paradigm. Okay, I get it now. So if I am surprised and delighted to be treated like an adult, it's about time. How do I explain the way I feel about travel to people and how I feel about all of the tools and services and ways that travel is being made more and more accessible to somebody with a disability? Well, the first time I walked with a guide dog, it was <laughs> melodramatic and, and a bit magical because I had been losing my vision. I was always legally blind, but I had a lot of vision growing up. And like some of our guests that you've heard, 
I tried to pass too, and it didn't work so well. When I couldn't pass anymore, I decided to get a guide dog. And that first walk with the dog was so freeing. I could walk at my normal speed again. I could negotiate places that I would have been very frustrated to go using my cane. These days, I'm good with the cane no matter where I go, <laughs> but I'm never gonna forget that my primary means of mobility is a guide dog. But that feeling of independence, that feeling that the whole world is out there for me to discover was the same feeling that I got and that I've heard hundreds of others get when they first use something like Ira or one of the apps with LiDAR sensors or beacons or whatever to find their way through an airport independently. Now we don't all have to be 100% independent. Of course, we're all not 100% independent. And it's okay if you take the help of an airport escort and have your IRA agent along as well, giving you the tour of the airport and anything that's around you, because you may find a shop that you wanna come back to later or see some artwork that you had never known was in the airport. That feeling of striding down the concourse, getting my coffee, coming back to my gate and finding a seat, all with the help of my dog and recently, while I was without a dog for a couple years, with my cane. It all felt so good because I knew I had the confidence and the tools when I didn't have the confidence that could back me up in my adventure. I think, as I said in our first podcast, people are inherently good and people who run businesses really want their customers to be happy. And that includes all of their customers. I've been to some amazing airports. I have to brag on my local airport, John Glenn International Airport in Columbus, Ohio, probably the best acoustics of any airport out there. This place is amazing. You can hold uh, conversations and not hear other people's conversations. And it's just a very nice place and it's easy to get around. And there are lots of friendly folks there. Well, that's the case for a lot of airports around the country. So I encourage everybody get out there even if you're not going to meet anybody, there are a lot of restaurants, art, shops outside of the gate area. Take a look at what's around. You may be amazed. We're going to be talking more travel on the next episode of Access Matters with Jeff Whistle from Disability Inn. The Disability Inn Conference is coming up in July. Jeff will tell us a little bit about that. But then we're also going to talk about the importance of travel and access to travel as it pertains to employment and seeking employment. For Curtis and I, this is Janine Stanley. Thank you for listening to Access Matters. Do you have any comments or questions about the show? Email us at accessmatters at ira.io. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Access Matters with Janine Stanley. This podcast is a production of Ira Tech Corp. To learn more about visual interpreting, visit our website, http://ira.io, or email us at access at ira.io.